You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Business Journal podcast, where we explore the life and careers of the Corridor's most influential leaders. Paul Burmeister is a studio host, play-by-play announcer, and reporter for NBC Sports. You've seen him on TV hosting famous sporting events such as the Tour de France and NHL hockey. He's also the play-by-play radio announcer for Notre Dame football. Born and raised in Coralville, Paul is a former Hawkeye quarterback who got his start in broadcasting with the legendary John Campbell at KCRG TV9. After that stint in Cedar Rapids, he went on to the West Coast where he worked for NFL Network for 10 years, and now he's in Connecticut with NBC Sports. We talked about a somewhat unique route into sports broadcasting, how to improve through candid feedback and self-analysis, and how he's handled big opportunities throughout his career, even though he might not have been prepared for them at the moment. It was a great conversation. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. Stay tuned. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. Thanks so much, Paul, for calling in. I know you're over there in Connecticut, uh, close to the NBC Sports Studios, uh, half a half a country away from your your hometown here in uh, in Iowa City. And you and I have a you know a very similar lineage, right? We're both from the mean streets of Coralville and Iowa City Westside Trojans, Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, and of course, you've gone on from a great sports career um, at the University of Iowa onto an even better, uh, more more uh, sterling um, career in, in, in television sports. And, you know, we're, we're all super proud of you back here in the, in the Iowa City, Cedar Rapids area. Were, were you like me as a kid growing up here listening to Jim Zobel and Harry Carey and, you know, watching John Campbell on, on TV9 News as sports? Did you, did you have those same idols uh, as a kid in the, in, the, in the sports TV world and radio world? You just found more parallels to our background. I knew it was <laughs> unique enough with the Coravel to Iowa City West to Iowa. But now, I mean, that's ex- exactly how I grew up. And not only Jim Zobel, but... Ron Gonder and Frosty Mitchell back when all those guys could do the game at the same time. And I wasted so many summer days when it was nice outside watching the Cubs on WGN and Harry Carey and Steve Stone and those guys. So, uh, yeah, for sure. We, we were listening to the same dudes way back then. <laughs> That's great. Was obviously, uh, you know, sports was in your upbringing, but was there always a career in the stars in, in television or radio or sports announcing? Was that something that you Not were always a- interested in? Yeah, no, not at all. And I told people this that I worked with at NFL Network and NBC. Like, it wasn't until my late 20s that I even had a thought that this may be something I'd be interested in. I I never took a class at broadcast journalism in Iowa. Uh, Never did the interviews that we used to do on Tuesdays in Iowa City outside the complex and thought, boy, that'd that'd be something that I would enjoy. It wasn't until later. I mean, I was in graduate school and kind of stumbled onto a couple of opportunities with KCRG that I thought, boy, that's that was really fun. You know, I, I enjoyed John Campbell. I like learning what he does there. It's fun to be on camera. This is a hell of a challenge. Like none of that, that light didn't go on until the late twenties. So uh, sometimes I wish that I would have known how much I enjoy this profession back when I was 18. Cause I could have taken a lot of classes in Iowa and gotten good at it before I actually did. Like um, I could have had much more of a head start than I did um, the way it turned out. But Never had a class, never thought about it till later in life. Sure. And I don't want to get, I do want to get to some of those stories from your, your time at KCRG and KWWL. But when, when you're going through Iowa, 
here at the university, what, what was going to be your profession before you got into, a, into announcing and, and television? Yeah, I was one of those guys, Nate, and it's kind of painful to admit here in conversation, same thing I have to admit to both of my sons. Like, I had no idea what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. I was seriously at a scrimmage uh, in Kinnick Stadium in one of those August scrimmages that we used to have, you know, very well. And I remember Fred Mims, who was the associate AD, coming over and, like, talking to my position coach. I'm like, which one of the guys, you know, fouled up this time? And it was actually, like, I hadn't declared a major and needed to. <laughs> there are a couple of things. It's like, I Paul, there is something here about the student-athlete thing, right? Yeah, you got to get the, the first yeah. half of that. So, like, I went to classes, and, like, I wasn't a poor student, but I certainly lacked direction. And that was my own fault. I when I was a kid, I just wanted to play catch and shoot baskets, and I was kind of of the same mentality uh, at the University of Iowa. I just wanted to be good at, at my sport there, and I didn't think enough about what I wanted to do afterwards. So um, I, I think the nicest way of saying it is I, I lacked direction in those years in terms of what I was going to do after playing football. Okay, and then you said you sort of stumbled into it while in grad school, some opportunities uh, with local television. How did that happen? Yeah, so I'm, I'm in graduate school. I'm a GA for Bob Bowlesby, and it was ESPN Plus, and they were actually showing games, mm -hmm. a couple of the not very good games on, on KGAN back then. And they asked me to do color for two of the Iowa games. I think it was in 1996. Okay. And I'm like, sure, I'm not doing anything else that day. And I was terrible. <laughs> I was not any good at it. I uh, kind of had a good time with it, but uh, never really thought much of it. And Marv Cook, good friend of both of ours, Marv was just wrapping up his NFL career. And he was he dabbling in that too a little bit, right? Marv yeah, was, yeah. He, I, I think Marv was just figuring out, obviously he's terrific at what he's doing now, uh, but he was thinking about doing more media stuff. And he said, hey, I think you do a great job on those games. I think Marv was just being nice. He's like, <laughs> I'm going down to the Craig James Broadcasting School, which existed then in Dallas for former players. I know you're not doing the same resume that somebody like me or some of the other people that are going to be there have, but I'd love for you to come down with me. And I'm like, okay, sure, I'll do that. I mean, you know how it is in your in your 20s. Actually, you were playing in the NFL, but I, I seriously had nothing else to do that weekend. So I'm like, <laughs> sure, yeah. I'll go. And so Marv reaching out to me, ESPN Plus allowing me to do a couple of games of color. That's what kind of started it. Mm -hmm. And I went down to that Craig James school. They put together a, a VHS tape of your highlights from the weekend. You sideline reporting, little studio. They put together a nice little weekend for you. And I had a highlight tape. And I sent it to the local affiliates and John Campbell called me back and said, you know what? We want to do a little something different with our football coverage of the Hawkeyes this fall. Mm -hmm. Why don't you come up and talk to me about it? And I went up and met with John and the, the news director at the time, Bob Smith. And they said, we'd like to have you on twice a week talking about the Hawkeyes, previewing the game during the week. Then on Sunday, you can break down what you saw. Maybe on Friday nights for Friday Night Lights, we'll send you out to, to report on a couple games right and that's how it started and i really enjoyed it john campbell is the absolute man um he didn't do it in like a arm around you you're great he let me know that i was decent at it and if you want to roll up your sleeves and learn how to shoot and edit and write and do everything else maybe there's something here for you and i kind of followed john's lead and followed him around and figured out the whole business and he really showed me the way to do things right and it kind of Brings it back full circle to what I said a couple minutes ago. I, I stumbled into this opportunity without Marv Cook calling me and asking me to come along for a weekend in Dallas, without John Campbell kind of leading me along when I didn't know a whole lot. Right. Uh, 
none of this would have happened. So t- take us back to that first year with John Campbell. Now, the one thing I've always admired about folks in your line of work is that you turn on the TV or the radio, and it's, it's like this flawless. You know, it's like it's like you know the people that are out there as the announcers, they're, they're like they're not even human. You know, it's just coming right off your tongue and all the right. preparation, and you're you're calling the you know the game perfectly, and and the, you know it's a, it's a flawless, it's a sparkling clean performance. But I'm assuming I know that it's not that easy. Talk a bit about that first year or two. Like, what were the big lessons that you learned? The big surprises, the the biggest challenges as you as you learn the profession. Oh, so many challenges. I, I think that the hardest thing for anybody to do who's on the air is to to find your to find your voice and the comfort level in your own skin when that red light goes on, you look at the camera. And it's one thing for me to be having a beer with you, Nate, and talk about football and sound like I know what I'm talking about and be comfortable and listen along and follow up. But when you have a three and a half minute sports cast and the camera turns to you and you have an entire script written out, some of it's uh, reading over news, some of it's reading over graphics, some of it's ad-libbing highlights, to do that in a comfortable way, uh, is really, really hard. And I, I think the best lesson I learned right away is like, okay, I stink at this. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy the challenge of it. Uh, and I, I like the way John goes about this. And this job seems like it could be fun, but I'm not any good. Um, so I think lesson number one is to realize that, kind of humble yourself. And this isn't just talking with my buddies downtown. This is looking into a camera and speaking with precision and being efficient and having conviction. And I didn't have any of that. I knew I liked the challenge of it, but I knew I needed the work. And John let me, he let me do the morning sports a couple times a week. And he let me do the Monday night, like on a Monday night football game mm-hmm. when they get over 1130 and nobody's really watching anyway. I got to do the live sports. <laughs> nice. John's, John's fast asleep. Yeah. Yep. yeah, exactly. Um, so he was he was kind enough to allow me some opportunities and i was lucky enough to realize hey this is something that that i really enjoy and uh i enjoy the challenge of trying to be good at it sure i'm curious how about today what does that feedback loop look like for uh professionals like yourself that are at the highest level are you are you like a professional athlete are you watching taper yourself constantly are you you know every broadcast you guys in and out and uh you're having meetings afterwards and analyzing how things went or what's that how are you improving on your on your craft today? Yeah, I think it's a great question, and it's really interesting. When I went from local TV to NFL Network back in 2004, I remember doing like my first few shows and looking around. I'm like, who's going to tell me if that was good or bad? Who's mm-hmm. uh, is anybody, anybody want to tell me what to work on? Or hey, that was great. I didn't get a lot of that, and I realized right away, okay, if I'm going to advance myself here and get good at this, I've got to watch myself with a critical eye and listen with a critical ear. So now at NBC, the feedback is much better, whether you want it or don't want it sometimes. You're much more likely to get a a solid critique or compliment of of how it's been going. But early on in this business, as an honor talent, I think you can talk to anybody, Nate, you realize pretty soon, I'm going to have to be critical of myself. If I'm going to get from where I am now to move up all the rungs in the ladder, I've got to know what I'm good at I've got to know what I don't do well and listen and watch for that all the time. And that's, I, I still do that to this day. I watch myself and it makes me sweat. It makes me pace. It <laughs> that's makes hard, me think isn't I'm it? Not yeah. Good. Oh, I, I, I've got to get myself in the right frame of mind to do it uh, because it, it's always painful because you know how it is. I mean, mm-hmm. as a former athlete, you only really see what needs to get better. Um, right. You're aware that you're pretty good at it, but you, you see the things that need improvement and it's hard to do that, but that's, I kind of taught myself that I need to do it and I get better that way. 
and I've got a handful of people that I know are better than me that I watch on TV all the time and take mental notes of what they're doing. Um, what is it about that question asking? What is it about that lead? What is it about that call that made it so good? So I watch myself pretty critically and I watch some people that I know are really, really good at it with the same eye. That's great. If you, if you go back and look at the arc, your professional arc during your career, what were, uh, if you were to pinpoint one or two things that Paul Burmeister has improved on the most over that time, let's say since the beginning at NFL Network to where you're at today and with NBC Sports, what, uh, what, what part of your craft have you, has been most improved? Well, I think uh, I'm trying not to take too long of a route here to answer this question, but I'm going to start with where I – when I was in local TV and you picture yourself watching the news at night and you watch the sports, he or she will come on for three and a half minutes and – it's pretty much controlled, Nate. I mm -hmm. mean, maybe the prompter doesn't work for a moment or maybe the anchor tosses to you in a way you didn't expect. But for the most part, you are reading a prompter and you know what's coming. You, you kind of have it planned out and it's a controlled environment. And right. then you give it back to the anchor. So then I go to NFL Network. I go from being an anchor to being a host. And when you're hosting an hour-long show, you may read the prompter to set up a segment. But then there's seven and a half minutes that have nine different turns of all these organic things that your analyst might say, you might follow up in this way, you might not. So it was a wide open space of live TV that I wasn't used to because it wasn't controlled. Mm -hmm. And I think I slowly had to let go of having things planned out. Like I would stay up all night the night before we shot this show and I'd have like three pages of great notes that I wanted to get in. Right. Well, it might look good at midnight on Tuesday, but then Four minutes later, after Sterling Sharp and Brian Baldinger and Salman Wilcox debated topic, what looked good the night before doesn't fit the moment after they get done talking. So it's been a, a slow release of that control and being in the moment and just trusting yourself that I know this topic, I know this person, I know this player, and wherever the conversation goes on that set, I'm going to have something smart to say, and I know I can get to the next topic without looking at the prompter and reading it, because again, something you wrote two hours before the show might not work that well based off of what the people said before you. So sure. I think, I mean, again, it's kind of a long way of answering your question, but from the environment I came from in local TV to the environment I'm in now in the studio, it's more being in the moment and not having things scripted because the people who are really, really good at it, they just know their craft and they listen along and play along that way. Yeah, that's great insight. And about three years ago, you had a, a new career challenge thrown your way with NBC Sports where you took on the uh, hosting the, the Tour de France which I know of cycling um, was maybe a little bit uh, more foreign to you than football or basketball or some of those other sports. Talk a bit about how you uh, prepared for that new challenge in your, in your career. And uh, you know, what, what, what did you do to prepare for, uh, you know, to get more familiar with the content before you jumped into your first tour? Yeah, that, that was my first dive in Nate into doing things that were completely out of the realm of what I was comfortable with and beyond what I'm comfortable with. I mean, something that I even thought about, I hadn't considered right. cycling outside of the fact that I knew the, the Lance Armstrong story and that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, my executive producer stopped into my office one day, shortly after I came to, from Manifel Network to NBC and said, we're going to have you host the tour de France, your reaction. And I was like, uh, okay. And it's like, you, your boss is asking you to do something. You want to be excited about it. But I was so like taken aback and, um, a little, quite a bit intimidated by it so he walked out and i'm like well how the hell am i going to do this I, I truly don't know anything about the sport mm -hmm. uh, it was an excellent lesson for me to be able to because football no matter what the assignment was i knew the sport 
or, or go call a basketball game. I played basketball my whole life. So this was the first one that was really like, I don't know a thing. And I got to get from the bottom here to somewhere in the middle so I can be around these conversations. I called the analysts on my show that were going to be with me on the tour, Christian Vandeveld and Bob Roll, and spent time with them on the phone and in person and took notes. I called Phil Liggett, asked him, and Phil's been calling the tour forever. All these people were super, super friendly with their time. And I just, I realized that I had to write down the terms that were like Peloton or Breakaway (laughs) or Polka Dot Jersey. I had flashcards for all of them. (laughs) I had about 40 flashcards with terms that if you know cycling, you you use and you don't even think about it. But I wasn't there yet. So I read flashcards 10 times a day. I talked to Bob and Christian all the time and just kind of got to the point where I like, okay, I'm aware enough with what matters within this world. I can frame a conversation. I can say breakaway. I can say Peloton. I can, I can say all these things you have to say. And then I just get out of the way and I wait for the right time to either follow up or advance the conversation to the next topic. So, uh, two things. One was getting comfortable with, with the language that I had no idea what it meant prior to. Mm -hmm. And then two, I just kind of had to dial back uh, the amount that I thought I was going to be involved in the conversation and the levels to which I would go, keep it basic, know what's important, know when it's time to move on and don't make the basic errors that are begging to be made based off of my knowledge level. So I just, I really dialed it back and boiled it down to the most basic parts of hosting which was a really healthy thing for me to have to think about what does that look like take us behind the scenes a bit of how you cover a, a tour de france are they you know you carting your way around in uh in, in limousines from site to site city to city <laughs> or is it uh you know ritz carlton is it more like sleeping in, the, in a hostel around france or how does that work when you let me know that you're coming over between stage I'm going eight and to, nine too. next yeah. year, get the champagne on ice. Limo. Yeah, that's <laughs> we're going to get to at the Four Seasons. Yeah, that's uh, a career but, goal of mine. I want to I want to be your stat guy for the uh, <laughs> couple segments of the Tour de France. That'd be fun. I, I'm going to follow up on that. And make sure you get over there because anybody with any interest in it would be uh, amazed and, and just think it was really cool. But <laughs> the behind the scenes part of the tour Nate, are crazy for the people covering it. First of all, like if you go to the Super Bowl and you go inside the stadium, there's hundreds of production trucks everywhere for all the for all the massive coverage internationally that's going on. And for all 21 stages of the tour, there are that many trucks that set up shop at the, near the finish line every single city. And we're one of them. So we're we're there all morning. We do a 30-minute pre-race show. We come on a few times during the race, and then we do wrap-up shows after. When that's done, uh, this studio that we're in is basically a traveling truck. They hit some kind of button and it folds down into something <laughs> like you can drive along. Like or something, yeah. Yeah, but then we just uh, we, we pack up and, and we drive. And we, we get into vans. Uh, there are three of us per van. Uh, standard van you would think of. Two seats in front, a couple rows in back. Mm-hmm. And we go to the next space. If it's an hour away, we're all high-fiving because we get to ha- actually have a dinner somewhere. <laughs> right. If it's five hours away, which it quite often is windy roads too right oh my god it's like a bad carnival ride a lot of times (laughs) we're down to the pyrenees or alps but we'll grab a a gas station sandwich and just kind of uh, be in the back of the van until midnight and wake up at seven and do it again the next day yeah that's that's the stuff the us us typical fans don't see do you have a uh, most memorable sports moment you were able to report report on and out so far in your career boy one moment um man i mean i've been it's um Super Bowls and Olympics and the tour. I, I don't so much remember, like, there's not one moment, Nate. And I think, I don't want to use the word tainted, uh, but you were around it longer than me. And 
I, I played in front of big crowds and I had some thrills that way. And the, the moments I remember now aren't so much a singular game or moment. It's like when someone I really, really respect, like a, a Chris Fowler, who's at ESPN, or Mike Tirico was in our building. When these guys that I look up to make a point of reaching out to me and said they saw something I did that this was really good or I appreciated the way you did that. Sure. Uh, I, I remember those moments where people I really look up to kind of looked at me like a peer and shared a compliment more than any kind of game or moment. Yeah, that's awesome. I got uh, two more questions here. One, one kind of looking backwards and one forwards. As you look back on your career, was there uh, one big kind of turning point or break that, that you got that you thought really sent you into the stratosphere and, and helped set you up for the, the rise that you've had through the ranks? I think the first break that comes to mind is one we've talked about. Uh, a guy like John Campbell just providing me an opportunity that until that moment came up, I had never really sought out. I mean, it, they just presented it to me, and I was fortunate for that. So uh, being around John and learning from him, I think, number one. And then number two, my first couple of years at NFL Network, for the reasons that we just talked about uh, in terms of going from an anchor to a host, I wasn't very good. I, I really wasn't. And I think – uh, a break I got was that they stuck with me, kept giving me opportunities, um, allowing me time to figure it out, how to go from being a good local anchor to being a good national host. And I've never really talked about with any of my bosses there, but the the first couple of years of opportunities that mm -hmm. they continued to give me when I wasn't really very good at it, um, I look back at those moments and very thankful. That's great. Now let's fast forward 10 years from now. Where do you have any goals in your head on where you'd like to be as a, as a professional at that point in time? Yeah, I'd like to be right here where I am at NBC. After going from NFL Network to here, moving from coast to coast, like I think I've found a home. Um, I have bosses and producers I really like. I would like to have a, a more prominent role within our football family there. Mm -hmm. I don't have a specific role. Um, I don't know what that's going to be, but I'd like to to move up the ladder within what we do in college and professional football, number one. And then and number two, I just, we have really, really good professional producers and analysts at, uh, at NBC. And I would just like to still be here, continuing to have roles that are, whether it's the Tour de France or calling whatever sport at the Olympics, I just, I want to continue to gain their trust and their belief that these things outside of the football world, not only I can, can I do them, I can do them at a high level. Mm -hmm. So in 10 years, if I'm doing something really cool in the football world and working seven or eight other sports, it's been kind of an escalating, elevating kind of thing with quality people. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's right where I want to be. That's awesome. Um, we end up all, all of these interviews with just some, some questions uh, that, that give us a good glimpse into, into the, everybody's personality. Um, how much of your success, if you were to go back and, and look at it throughout your career, would you contribute to luck versus hard work? Man, um, we all, as former athletes, Nate, want to, I think our knee-jerk reaction is to say we it's all hard work, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah. our hard work. And it's great to have that work ethic. But I think you get humble enough as you get older, you realize there's a lot of luck that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. um, when I was working at KWWL or KCRG, there were a thousand other local TV people who could have done just as good a job as I did at NFL Network. But I, I was fortunate enough to get that job. Uh, now, I worked hard once I was there to get better, but... I think, again, you get older and you realize that there were some real nice breaks along the way that if you don't acknowledge those, you're really you're not really doing it justice. Sure. Uh, if given the chance, what profession other than your own would you most like to attempt? I would love to be a professor at a university sometime teaching these kind of things, uh, teaching broadcast yeah, journalism. That. Yeah, that'd be fun. 
from somebody who um, I'd like to think I'd do it well and I want to stay on the air as long as I can, but you know, maybe someday they kick me off. And I think a lot about my mistakes and I think a lot about what make people better than me, what makes them better than me. And I think the combination of those two things that kind of come from critical thinking would allow me to hopefully be good at that. Mm -hmm. But I I know I would enjoy teaching it to people at the college level. Sure. Um, You mentioned that you, you're sort of a student of, of broadcasting and sports media. Do you have uh, a leader or someone else that's done it that you've always looked up to or currently are, are studying maybe perhaps more than, some, than anybody else? Yeah, I study him all the time. Uh, on the hosting side, and he doesn't do it as much anymore, but Chris Fowler, when he hosted College Game Day, mm-hmm. was just incredibly good. Like He was the A-plus standard for me. Uh, things I talked about a little bit ago about being in the moment and not being scripted and reacting to what's happening in front of you and just doing it all with conviction and ease. He was he was the man. So like, that's the guy that I looked up to the most in the studio. As far as calling games, it's easy. Um, Mike Tirico is in our building. Uh, he does it as well as anybody. And he's super helpful with information and being a mentor as well. So sure. I'd say Chris on the studio side and, and Mike in the booth. How about away from the sports world? Do you have a favorite uh, podcast or TV show or anything you're listening to or watching recently that uh, gets your mind away from sports? Yeah, I'm watching Big Little Lies on HBO. You yeah, watch it? Oh, yeah. I see. That's good. So, it takes you back so to your good. old L.A. days, doesn't it? Southern <laughs> California. <laughs> it wasn't quite that exciting, thankfully. No, no I know. <laughs> uh, I've hooked on that. Ozark, I've been watching that. Yep. Uh, wait, wait, wait for the next season to come out. Uh, as far as podcasts go – can I swear on this? My, my yeah, favorite podcast yeah, absolutely. is swearing. <laughs> the What the Fuck podcast with Mark Marin is really good. <laughs> nice. Is, I, have, have you heard it? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, I enjoy that one a lot. And uh, Terry Gross from Fresh Air, I think mm-hmm. she's a really, really good interview. I, I always, every time I listen to her, no matter what the topic is, I, I get some ideas on how to do my job better. Yeah, that's great. Uh, how about a motivational quote? Anything that you got hanging up in the office there in Connecticut, NBC Sports Studios? I don't have anything hanging up. Uh, one one that um, is on my mind all the time is I always try to read. I, I like nonfiction. I like reading about people in the creative business who are highly successful. And whether it's 100-page book or 300-page book, there's always a couple nuggets in there. And Steve Martin wrote a book probably 10 or 15 years ago called Born Standing Up about his life as a stand-up comic. And he had a line in there. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he was talking about the art of performance and when it goes well. And he said – Sometimes the stars are going to align and you're going to be awesome. The crowd's going to be into it. You're going to make everybody laugh. It's just going to be as good as it gets. Don't strive for that. You should strive to try to be good every time. When you're in a subjective, performance-based thing, if you can be good all the time instead of being worried about being great on those few occasions mm-hmm. it happens. And that's the mindset I kind of have. And I've, I've kind of translated myself or changed into line drive mentality. I kind of picture myself at the plate all the time. Yeah, instead line of drive to hit a 400 foot home run. I'm trying to hit line drives every single time. Mm-hmm. If I'm hosting NHL live, if I'm calling a Notre Dame football game, no matter what it is, I always picture myself in the box just trying to hit a line drive. And if it goes out of the park, great. But if you, if you hit the ball hard every time, it's going to be hard for him to get rid of you. Yeah, that's awesome. 30 extra minutes in each day, what would you do with it? Spend it with my two sons. Uh, I have a super cool job um, that uh, I love doing, but it takes me I'm, – I'm in hotels and airports and stadiums a lot of time mm-hmm. on the weekend. So if I had 30 minutes each day, that extra minutes, that would be easy. I would uh, ask them what they wanted to do and just kind of follow them. Sure. Uh, in one sentence, how would you define success? 
I think if you enjoy, this is just professionally speaking, but if you enjoy working at your craft, you're successful, no matter what it is, because hopefully in anybody's job, there's going to be those moments where it's like the most exciting. And for me, that's when the you know, red light goes on or the game starts. Mm-hmm. Once the game is over, all those moments that lead up to the next one, like, do you enjoy rolling up your sleeves and do you like the grind? Do you like trying to get better at your craft? So if you, if you enjoy the work of trying to get better at what you do, I think you're a success. Sure. And then I got a bonus question here for you for all these Hawkeye fans. Give us a prediction on the Hawks record this year. Well, I was just out of practice. They look pretty good. And I'm always going to err on the side of being a little more uh, optimistic. So um, I think if I said double digits, I might be setting the guys up, uh, maybe um, hexing them a little bit. So I'll <laughs> say nine wins. Okay. I'll say nine wins, and I wouldn't be surprised if they exceeded it. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, just just one quick follow-up question. You were able to make it out to practice, and I know that uh, Coach Ferentz had you address the team. Do you what, can you summarize what you what kind of nuggets you had there uh, for the for the team as you gave him a little speech there during the middle of training camp? Yeah, it was a it was a really cool moment. Uh, first of all, just the, when I'm so far away to make it back to practice is really fun. And then Kirk comes over, and I kind of figured he'd spend a few minutes with me. We always get along well, but. He spent a lot of time with me. At the end of it, he's like, would you mind talking to the team afterward? And of course, you're going to say yes. But then he walked away. I'm like, what, what the hell am I going to say? <laughs> <I> gonna stay? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had, a, I had a few minutes to think about it. But I just went right back to, okay, if I'm 21 and I'm sitting there and I want to go to training table or I want to get out of here, like if I'm giving somebody five minutes of my attention, you know, what, what, would, what would stick? What would matter? And I just I kind of went back to what what I remember the most, and maybe it's indicative of I had a fairly average career, but I, I don't remember touchdown passes and wins as much as I do those moments when I knew that the guys that mattered most to me respected me and counted me as one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember walking into the, the complex my junior year, the first time I was a starter, and the depth chart got put in front of me, and my name was first. And then when I walked into the huddle a half hour later, practice those guys I've looked up to forever. Like I, I remember that. I remember how that felt. And I remember how letting letting those guys down with a, a poor performance felt. So I kind of summed all that up. And like you guys are trying to win 12 games, you go do it. I hope you win every damn one of them. But what you're going to remember most, and what's going to be worth an extra win or two is if you foster that kind of environment where it matters what that senior thinks of you over freshman. If you're a senior, you want that freshman to look up to you. And that kind of environment, I think, is worth a lot of wins. And more important than that, it's what you're going to feel good about when you're done, that the guys you looked up to thought of you the same way. And I, I just kind of tried to summarize that for a few minutes and said goodbye and said thanks. Yeah, that's great. That's a, it's, a, it's a great program to to root for and coach does a great job of uh of leading those guys it'll be fun to fun to watch them win and I, I love i love that nine nine plus wins this year that'd be fun to watch as a hawkeye fan but thank you so much paul for taking yeah. taking the time out and calling in i know uh you know it's, it's always fun for us folks back here in iowa to watch you on tv and we'll certainly be be uh, continuing to cheer you on and congratulations on, a, on an awesome career and um and, and enjoy the fall and hope to see you back here in iowa here soon Nate, thank you. And I would be remiss if I didn't add on just one thing to that. I'm around ex-athletes all the time, whether it's analysts or just I'm kind of in that world a little bit. And guys struggle a lot of times to find what's next. And a lot of many of them don't find something that's next. And as somebody who is from Iowa City and keeps track of what's going on there, the way you transition from successful professional athlete to using 
whether it's toughness, smarts, finances, using all of that that you gained to benefit Iowa City in your next career. I think it's from a thousand miles away. I think it's awesome. I hope you keep doing it and I'm proud of you. Oh, I appreciate it. That's good. Well, uh, I got a lot of work to do in my podcast, uh, my interview. <laughs> I need to sit down. I need to get in the lab with you a little bit on that, but it's it's, it's fun. I, I appreciate it. It's, it's great being back. But uh, have, have a great fall, Paul, and uh, hope to catch up with you again here soon. Good to talk to you, Nate. Yep, thank you. This episode was produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal. 